This is The Jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XMLQ. One minute past the hour. You're listening to The Jolt on Sirius XMLQ. I'm Larry Flick. Still ahead this morning, Padma Lakshmi on the 13th season of Top Shot. And Daryl Brown will be joining us as well. But we, at long last, have what we could, we could now call her an icon. You can call her a legend. Oh. Bianca Del Rio is joining that's, us. That's a little too nice, but yeah. I'm not that Honey, old, you've you have obviously never heard this show. <laughs> <laughs> obviously never heard this show. But that's okay. I appreciate it because it's morning. Yeah, no, it's You know, that's difficult for me. I'm usually on a flight at this hour. So uh, so Bianca Del Rio has, at long last, put her Rolodex of Hate show, one-person show, up on Vimeo. You can uh, uh, purchase it and have it for your very own to watch over and over and over again obsessively and plot the different ways you might want to kill her <laughs> if you feel like it. But honestly, I'm just being stupid. I'm just being stupid. Uh, but no, but I'm, I'm just I'm sincerely thrilled that you're here. I'm a big, big fan. Well, and, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And so I'm I'm been I've been uh, a, a kind of almost like a student of yours for for a while now because you're not to me you're not a drag queen. You're uh, a, you're a comic who puts on a dress. Well, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. I think, but also you know drag was also the opening uh, of all of this for me. I mean you know I was ready to quit at forty, which I turned forty this year. I was ready to quit uh, because you know you'd done twenty years in bars and you know you dealt with every drunk fag there is, and so you just kind of had your fill of it. And I thought you know what it's been a good run, you know I'll be happy to be done. But then at thirty seven I did Drag Race, and then that shifted the whole thing, and then it opened up this whole other door. And I recently I wasn't recently it was like the year that I won. I had gotten into an argument with a with a reporter about, you know, drag in general and comedians. He's like, oh, you know, well, there's tons of, you know, drag performers that are comedians. You know, there's Dave Medna, there's Flip Wilson. I said, yeah, but none of them are gay. All of them are straight. Yeah. All of them are straight men. And, you know, Barry Humphreys, who's Dave Medna, is married and, you know, lives life. Flip Wilson was a straight man. Milton Berle was a straight man. So it's kind of funny that I've, I've, I don't really know. I mean, there's exceptions of like people that were performers that I knew of, like Jim Bailey and Charles Pierce, who I loved, who were, you know, borderline comedian performers and did shows. But um, no one that I knew that was really just out there just doing just comedy in a wig that wasn't about being in a wig. You know what I mean? I try not to even reference it if I don't have to. Did you put the wig on before you dis- you you found out or you discovered that you were a storyteller? Um, n- no, I was always the obnoxious pain in the ass. Like I was always involved in theater, so I was always the loud one backstage and and always around people. And so I kind of had all the packaging for it. You know, I had the the funny people that were encouraging that said you should do this, and then I had the people. You know, I did wigs and costumes and stuff like that for theater. So I kind of had all the makings to be a drag queen, and then just kind of fell into it. You know, I say yes to everything. So when you put on when you put it all on, yeah, the first time, did you think you were pretty? Oh God, no! I don't even remember the first time, girl. Like I remember, I'm forty. I don't remember that first. <laughs> Honey, I'm fifty-two. Time. I can, you know. I mean, the first time, shit, no. I, I how old were you the first time? Twenty. Twenty. I was twenty. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. No, but it, it's hard to think about the. I mean, you know, when you do it every day, it's like you know, I can't remember what I. I don't remember. I was, you know what it was? It was, it was in New Orleans, and it was a gay wedding. This, this is how it happened. It was a gay wedding that was happening at Anne Rice. Anne Rice used to have this, this former girls' school that she turned into a ballroom, and these fags were getting married there. And um, so they had drag queens perform, and a friend of mine who was a drag queen was like hosting it. And they said, "We need two other queens." And I'm like, "Well, I ain't doing it." The guy was five hundred dollars. I said, "I'll do it." And then I did the shortest number there is, which is Shirley Bassey's Big Spender, which is like a minute and forty five seconds, and I got five hundred dollars a check. 
But it was still, it was kind of amazing that that was it. And it was just like, all right. And then someone that I knew from the bar there was like, well, do you want to come do a guest spot? And I was like, sure, you know. So then it was a guest spot, and it turned into a weekly gig. And I was at, in New Orleans five days a week for 10 years doing wow. everything from bingo to ass contests, you know, all that shit they do on a bar. Yeah, yeah. So I did all that for those years. So I think that was the best thing about it. I mean, that, without me realizing it, ended up becoming my training to deal with the world later. Were you always tough? Um, yeah, I mean, tough, I mean... Do you consider yourself tough? Uh, I think when I need to be. You know, I'm not, I don't like to be pushed around, and I don't like people to insult my intelligence or question me. You know, look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm I also not afraid to speak up, which I think a lot of people are now. I think that was also the thing with, you know, for instance, doing Drag Race. It was like, you know, to, if I would have done it at 20, I think I would have had a different outcome, and I think it would have, I would have become crazy, because yeah. I would have been, like, believing all the insanity, whereas now it's like, you know, I lived at a time before social media, so I don't care what you say about me online. I could give a shit. You don't like my hair. Fuck you. You don't like this. It doesn't matter, because you're not part of my actual life. You know what I mean? And I think nowadays, a lot of a lot of young queens think this is the end-all, be-all. You know, you get on Drag Race, you have to do it, and this is it. And, you know, and they don't know about other amazing performers like Coco Peru and Lady Bunny and Jackie Beat and Sherry Vine, who've done all this stuff before brilliantly, that it's not all just drag race. You know? And that's actually re one of the nicer parts of, of Rolodex of Hate, is that there's a point where Bianca Del Rio pays tribute to the, the 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 men and women before yeah well, and, they're and brilliant. kind of and kind of, kind of clocks people who don't know who they are well i think that's the thing we live in a world now you can push a button and find out anything about anybody and a lot of people don't know shit you know though they can tell you what tyra wore on episode two of whatever i was like girl that that ain't nothing you know yeah or my favorite is i had a comment of someone saying bianca's not a real drag queen because she doesn't lip sync go <laughs> that's not the only thing to it and isn't that the purpose of the show not to lip sync you stupid fuck because if you lip sync then you're in the bottom you piece of shit like think about <laughs> it, it means you're on your way out <laughs> exactly it means you're on that your way out you're one of 14 <laughs> people that suck you know oh oh okay so let me wait for that glorifying moment fucking idiot so what, what was it about that moment in time that made you decide? Because uh, cutting past the rush of queens who want to be on that show yeah. is tough. Yeah. You auditioned once, and you got on once, yeah. and then you won. Yeah. Why, why that year? Because it wasn't like you were an unestablished queen because no. I was aware of you before Drag Race. Well, no, and this was the thing, though, is that, you know, I was living in New York, and I was working, and I had seen a couple of my other friends that had been on the show that were not talented at all get this amazing exposure and I thought what do you what do you got to lose you know what is it about and I was doing the show I was doing a show with Bunny um at XL hot mess with those crazy people you know I'm talking about the ones mm -hmm. with the with the uh representative and money and all that mm -hmm. shit uh anyway they um we were doing a show there and, and Michelle Visage came to see the show and she had asked me I met her before the show and I said hi hi you know whatever and I walked away well then after the show she was ready to kill me because I was such a cunt and I was dismissive and I'm like well what like I just said hello. <laughs> I didn't go out of my way and go, oh my God, I love you, like every other fucking fag does. Because I don't. And then she asked me, <laughs> she had asked me, she says, why didn't you do the show? I said, well, I don't think it's for me. And she goes, why? You know, and she was very sweet. She was just like, you know what? Why don't you try it? We could use people like you. It would be a good idea. There's not, you know, you're not too old. Because I'm like, I thought it was for younger queens. I thought it was just definitely ideal for someone other yeah. than me. And she goes, well, maybe it's because you haven't auditioned. So I talked to Bunny, and Bunny said, girl, you should do it. And I said, all right. Then she said, you can take over the world. I'll see you in two weeks when you're eliminated. So that was, She's yeah. She's such a cunt. She is. But it was, one of those, it was one of those things where you're like, what do I have to lose? Give it a shot. You know, mm. and you go through, you know, people think you go through Logo. People think you go through Root. You go through this whole other casting company first. You know, yeah. it's this whole, like, 
other process. The that whole vetting process that they go through. Yeah, and you have to have a psych evaluation, and you have to go through all this paperwork and all this madness, and you know you don't hear anything for a very long time. So I didn't hear anything for like another month, and then I had like five days to pack up my shit and go. Wow. Yeah, so it happened kind of quickly. It's like all this hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait. It's funny because I never watched the show before your season. Oh, really? I never, because I've known Rue for a long time. Yeah. And she and I have a storied history. I'll tell you about that off the air. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look for her at the Holland Tunnel on a Sunday night. But anyway. Oh. Um, so I just never gave it any time. Yeah. And then I'd heard I'd heard of Courtney and I heard of you and yeah. you were both on and I thought, you know what I need to and my listeners are really into the show. Yeah. So I thought I better watch this fucking piece of shit. I didn't I really didn't get into it until like season four. Sharon's year was the yeah. year that I that I first started watching. And she totally changed the game. I mean, here she was did. This, she kind of showed that that you know, you didn't have to be some beauty queen to come in and win and that you had if you had personality that you stood a chance. But what was really interesting and now that I've I've actually since gone back and watched all the seasons mm -hmm. and I watch and I enjoy season seven which the worst even worse than season one um <laughs> is that is that um no comment <laughs> you guys you guys were ready you were i felt like watching it now that i've seen Rolodex of hate and i've watched you evolve um you were ready for someone to launch you courtney was ready to be launched yeah adora was ready to be launched i think the problem with some of the younger girls is that they go on before they're ready well, I also think that they think that the show is going to give you everything that you need. Right. And the weird thing about it is, you know, all right, here's this amazing situation. And in my mind, which was very small at the time, I thought, okay, you know, I have some friends in New York that'll watch the show. I have some friends in New Orleans that'll watch the show. You know, a couple of people in L.A. I didn't think about it on such a large scale. I didn't think of it globally. I didn't think about people in Brazil because I'm like, no. And it's just kind of insane. It's all there for the taking if you want it. But, yeah. you know, we, we I started traveling once the show started airing, which I was doing every gig there was. I was doing, you know, a $500 gig at a club in Florida, you know, and, and doing anything possible that they offered me because that's what you do. You go to these clubs, you meet these people, you can't sit back and, you know, they think it's all about money and holding out and getting all this grandness. No, I don't need any of that bullshit, you know? So it was like, do it. Go out there and work. And so we've been working since our season, which has been kind of crazy. Adora, Courtney, and I both, all three of us have had this schedule that's kind of been intense by choice. Yeah. Because we want to work, you know? And then, of course, once these people see that it's making money, then it works out well. And we've been all over the world, which has been kind of amazing. But a lot of these younger queens think that comes with the job. Yeah, no, you know? no one hands it to you. No, not at all. And you got to go out there and hustle. I mean, I, I, I moved to L.A. in June or July. And, I mean, I've literally been there maybe a total of three weeks. Wow. Since then, you know. So, when did you write Rolodex of Hate? Uh, well, it was it was it, well, it was right did after I won. Um, that I was doing a lot of club gigs and I was just jotting things down. And my manager suggested that I do, you know, a solo show, which was terrifying for me because I thought I'm not really a good writer. I'm not good with sitting down and going, okay, the, here is a joke, here is a setup, and I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is why the Rolodex came in handy. So for a while, for the first month of doing the show, um, I had far more material than I needed. And then slowly you figure out the pace and you figure out where you're going with it. And you figure out what, what people want to hear. And then you figured out, you know, then I had to restructure it in order to make it work for what I was doing. And then it's just been a breeze ever since. So did you, did you, how did you decide that, how did you decide the pressure points of where you wanted to land? Because the, the thing about the show is that, it really is. It's not stand-up comedy, even though it is stand-up comedy. It's a it's a proper one act, one person piece of theater. Oh, fancy! It well, is though. I well, mean, I've I've watched it. You ain't watched your own shit. No, I haven't. No, but, but I, I no. watched it, and that's and but that's what's so compelling about it because I can't listen to the same fucking joke over and over and over yeah. again. 
it's listening to the story and it's it's very it's very layered. Well, it's also just like you know, and my, very subversive. You're a sneaky bitch. Well, yeah, but it's also my version of where I you know where I came from and 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 what I'm about because people do ask those questions all the time. Well, how did you get started? How did this happen? But without becoming beating him over the head with some serious poignant moments, it's more or less just talking about it in a funny way. Because you, know? you because if you if you pay attention to the story of Rolodex I hate y'all, you learn that. Roy did not have a great life. No, but that's not bad. No. I think that's the problem with everybody. Everybody's like, oh, this happened to me as a kid. Who fucking cares? You're 40. Get the fuck over it. But when did you start to see the funny parts of it? When did you start to realize that this actually is the way I'm going to deal with this. When, I'm going well, to look at the I'm going to look at the irony of this all. Well, I don't think I I don't think I initially thought of it that way. I think it was just kind of out of, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and sulk and cry or you're just going to go about your life. I mean, nothing was really that bad. I mean, at the time, I think it was probably the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in retrospect, just sit back and go, "Oh god, that was kind of fucking funny," you know, or experiencing all of these different people that came into my life. People didn't understand me in the beginning, and then you went and found this other world of people that didn't understand you, and that kind of just helped and influenced me to keep going. Now you have you have two sisters. I have three sisters and a younger brother. And your sisters are lesbians. Is that true? Uh, no. Well, or is, that just one a, of them, is that just a punchline? No. One of them is question. I don't know what the fuck she is. Uh, <laughs> the other two are not, but one of them is. But they were very into sports, you know. So right. here I came along after them, and I was not. So well, the reason why I asked is because. Come, uh, your I come from Italian culture, which is very similar to, yeah. to Latino culture. And my younger sister is lesbian. Yeah. And for some reason, being a boy, my parents were down with me. Yeah. They were not down with her. Really? Not at all. Well, I not at all, and and we're like you know Italian Catholics. Yeah. Oh. And so that's why I was wondering because of the church element of your show, and how it all went on. Uh, well, it wasn't really anything that bad. I mean, it just got to a point where you know I was the fourth out of five, so by the time I came along, you know things were clouded. I knew all I had to do was get through high school, and that would appease them, and then I could just go and be whatever I want. Yeah. And that just kind of worked out for me. You know, I mean, everybody else got married, everybody else had kids, everybody else you know had these other moments, so they were closer to my parents than than I was because it was just like I ain't gonna sit in Louisiana bye you know so life just kind of went another way but I have no regrets you know and now they take all the credit for it now they're like oh it's amazing yeah we had it all planned out assholes (laughs) (laughs) Bianca Del Real joining us here on the jolt Um, so is Bianca forever uh no no I can't do this forever. I don't want to do. This. I don't want to be Lady Bunny, girl. No. <laughs> I mean, you got to give up before your shoes and pantyhose do. I mean, so be honest. Because because again, watching the show, I'm thinking this is this is a vehicle to a different a different life for you. Well, I think I think you know because you're an actor. Well, the thing with 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 you know doing this particular television show and then getting to do this comedy special and getting to travel and and doing this film that my friend wrote. Um, all of these things are just opening doors to do other stuff, which I'm excited about. I mean, do I want to be in a bar every night for the next 20 years? No, I've done that, which is nothing wrong with it. I just, you know, I've done it. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, if there's other opportunities or other ways to to do it, I'm excited about it. Like, for instance, you know, even with once I won Drag Race, I was doing a lot of bar gigs, you know, which was a different thing. Here I was dealing with a much younger crowd that was paying a ticket price to come in and get a selfie with you. They didn't care what I had to say. They were drunk and having a good time, which was fun. But then I had my fill of that, too. So it was like the great thing about the show was it's you're in a seated theater and people actually got to sit down and hear what you wanted to say, which was another step in the right direction. So, yeah. you know, within the past few months and the past years, I mean, things have been going quite lovely. And there's a couple of things that are in the works that I'm excited about. But I think it's all about, you know, moving up that ladder of 
what's next and what you could possibly do. I do enjoy a live audience, though, I have to say. So, you know, I'm currently jotting down for my next show that I'll be starting next summer. So the, the movie he mentioned is Hurricane Bianca. Yes. Which you did via GoFundMe. Yeah. And you shot it in 18 days. If I My read. scenes were 18 days, yeah. Which, but you're in every scene. I'm in, I'm in a majority of it, yeah. And it, can you tell us what the premise is? Sure. Uh, well, my friend Matt Kugelman, who's a genius, um, uh, is an editor for CBS News here. And we met each other like probably 10 years ago in New York. And uh, he had this idea for this film. And he said, you know, I want to make this. And I'm like, okay. So he told me what it was about. And uh, most people are not aware of the fact that in 29 states, it's still legal for you to be fired for being gay, which no one talks about, which is kind of fucking nuts. Um, so he has a story where there's this guy that is a school teacher in New York uh, who then gets transferred in this teacher program to a to small redneck town in Texas, and he's gay. And uh, the school is, you know, quite inbred and close-minded, and uh, they're not having any of his kind. So he gets outed for being gay, and because he really wants to devote his time to the kids and teach them, he decides to seek revenge on them by returning as Bianca Del Rio, the new school teacher, to just get back. So it is me to an extent, but uh, it's not. But it was it was a great experience because uh, it was something that he had been wanting to do for quite some time. And we finally got to make it happen because of the generosity of a lot of people who donated as long as we donated in our time. And, and uh, we had a bunch of uh, great people in it. Um, one of my favorite is... Um, uh, Margaret Cho is in it. RuPaul makes a cameo in it. Alan Cumming makes a, 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 a cameo in it as well. And also the Drag Race alumni is um, uh, Willem is in it. Uh, your good friend Miss Alyssa Edwards is in it. And Shangela is in it as well. Fab. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we only have a few minutes left with Bianca. And I, sure. have to, I have to ask you because she was one of our beloved friends here. Joan Rivers. Oh, I love Joan Rivers. And 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 you shot one of the last <laughs> ever in bed with Joan. Yeah, I was the second to last. Uh, right after me Leanne was, was the Leanne, last one. and that's who who killed her. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh. To, um, well, girl. do you know her manager's come? Daryl is her Daryl Brown's Darryl? her manager. He's on his way. <laughs> Daryl, Leanne Rhymes killed her. Um, oh, but I forgot to mention in the movie as well, who was one of my favorite favorite people, brilliant from Sound Out Live, Rachel Dratch. Who is oh my gosh, we love Rachel. That shit funny. She's so funny. Love her. Anyway, um, so what was that? Because she was one of the most extraordinary women. Oh, I, and I still am so sad. Yeah. Uh, oh, it sucks. You know, I was like, take the whole fucking Kardashian family. At least right. leave, give us Joan. Um, no, um, I, um, you know, I had met her a couple of times, like met her passing in a right. theater here in New York. You know, when you see her on opening night with Cindy Adams, you'll say hello, and she's always was very kind and always took a photo and and couldn't have been sweeter. And then I got a call from uh, my manager saying that, you know, here's an opportunity to do In Bed With Joan. At the time, I didn't know what the show was because I hadn't watched it online and I had been traveling. And then once I found out what it was, I'm like, whatever the fuck she's doing, yes, yes, let's yeah, fucking really? do it. Uh, and it conflicted with a gig that I was supposed to do at some point, and I had to argue with my manager to, to ship the gig, and he's like, you know, you know, she's not going to pay you, it's not going to be this. I go, it's fucking Joan Rivers. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, fuck you. So, of course, I had to pay my own airfare, pay my own hotel. I mean, she is a Jew. So I had to pay. <laughs> was. Um, I had to pay everything. But it was exciting, and you actually film it in Melissa Rivers' house, and she couldn't have been nicer, and I, I left there, you know, actually feeling more respect for her than than before. I yeah. mean, because this bitch, that day she had flown in, she'd taken a red eye from New York to Los Angeles, she'd already done Fashion Police, and she was doing four In Bed With Jones back to back. Because I remember watching it and thinking, I think the only time I ever detected you gagging 
Oh yeah, was while you were filming that. I was gagging her. big time. You looked I like mean, you were just just ever so slightly like this bitch is gagging. Well, because she was making me laugh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're sitting there and then Joan is laughing at something that you're saying, you're your brain, you're yeah. going, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, did she, like I didn't expect that. You know, I thought I'd just plow through whatever I've got to say. And, yeah. You know, and she didn't have to be that generous. You know, sometimes when you watch those interviews with David Letterman, it's like he's just a dick and just kind of plowing through it. Yeah. Uh, where she was very generous as a as a interviewer, which I thought was great. You know, yeah. I didn't expect that at all. So who makes you laugh these days? Oh God! Everybody, there's a lot of people. Uh, Wanda Sykes makes me piss myself. I mean, she's funny as shit. Um, uh, I mean, I love Rachel Dratch, who was great to work with, and get to see her work ethic, which was pretty amazing. How she could take an entire script like you have in front of you and just learn it in five seconds, and I'm like, and be genius. I'm like, that's pretty amazing. Um, but um, um, who else? Who's the one that looks like a Cabbage Patch doll with that big head? Uh, what's her name now? Uh, that she's getting all the work now that Jones did. What's her name? Um, oh. Amy Schumer. Yeah, Amy Schumer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's funny. You know, if you're if you're that you know straight boy. Oh, oh mm-hmm. it's historical. I mean, I don't go crazy about yeah, it. I but I mean, it. she's funny. I like her more than Kathy Griffin. I have to say, mm-hmm. I don't find Kathy funny at all. I don't find her funny either. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're fa- you're absolutely fascinating. Well, well, thank you. No, you really are. <laughs> And I'm, I still yeah. have to come and back. I, and I feel like, and I feel like I can breathe because I feel like I'm not going to be like, you know. No, you can only breathe as you unbutton those pants. I saw you back. Freak. All right. So here's the thing. Yes. Get the get the get your hands on uh, Rolodex of Hate. It's available as of today. It was uh, it was shot it was shot uh, during Bianca's stop in uh, Austin, Austin, Texas. Yes. It's uh, twelve ninety nine, and you can watch it online. And um, honestly, it's funny as fuck, man. You are too fucking kind. I am really not kind. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually a nasty fucking crusty old bitter bitch. Well, uh, now that your viewers know what you look like, that's wonderful. Trust that's me, they've seen, they've seen the porn. But anyway, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Seriously, you in porn? Once. You did? Once. Like, was it? When, when was it? it was it was. 15 years ago, you know, you know, fat guys like to fuck, you know, bear porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did one of those. But I mean, are you like fucking or are you like in one of those pivotal scenes before I'm, the actual no, fucking? No, <laughs> mutual blowjobs. Oh, that's good. Okay. See, I did one and I'm in those, I'm in one of those acting scenes that everybody oh, fast like, forwards through. You're like, you're the non-sexual. Yes, you're like, you're yes. like Xeroxing while they fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. And what's so funny is that a friend of mine sent me a text. He's like, girl, I'm sitting here jerking off and all of a sudden your face shows up on my screen. I don't know what to do. So I'm, so I'm very shocked that you can text with one greasy hand. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing and when you actually, think about it. Actually, it, it, it takes me to probably the funniest scene in Rolodex of Hate. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> what was it about? Not so good tonight. <laughs> it's not a good night. Yeah, I know. Night. It's true. Yeah, well, you, you got to see it to, to know what that means. Oh, my if God. If they tell you it's not a good night, run, it's true. Run, Forrest, run. It's true. Run, Forrest, run. Take the sheets and run. That and, and, and that's a true story. And only Bianca Del Rio can give the two words, fuck you, different inflections. <laughs> what, 15? Well, you know what's sad? There's one point where she goes, fuck you! <laughs> and she does it repeatedly, and it t- it's a different meaning every time. You know what's funny is that that friend of mine came to see that show. <laughs> came to see the show, <laughs> and it's his story. But no, but the, but the punchline after the whole story... Uh, it's true. Wait, but then the, after, it? when it's like, and then you called me. Oh yeah, and then you called me? Sorry, fuck you. That's just... Yeah, fuck that's you. That. You shit on somebody and then you call like me. Almost, <laughs> and she got so into the story that they had to re-glue her wig. It was, it, you just have to see it. It's a sad moment. It's a sad you moment. You have to see it. Bianca Del Rio, please come back. I would gladly come back. Thank you for having please me. Come back. Thank you both. Stick around. There's more to come on The Jolt. Can I please talk to you for a minute?